Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Live from the gleaming, streamlined, state-of-the-art studios of Outlaw Radio USA, nestled in our secret bunker somewhere in the Los Angeles area, the following program is produced with a vengeance by Magic Matt Allen on the Outlaw Radio Network. Hi, I'm the legendary Burl Bear. The man over there... Howard Lapidus, streamlined. Yes, state of the art. <laughs> Manager to the star. That guy, the one thing they don't have at the debates, a fact checker, Mark Boyer. Pleasure to have you here, Mark. And on the phone, a man who knows more about having sex with dead bodies than most people who've never had hey, sex hey, with dead bodies. Bro, why but. do you start the show like this? All the time. I, all the time. All the time. All the time. When you say, uh, when, when you say uh, streamlined state of the art, what, what is it you're, you're referring to? I'm referring, are what, we on the air? Yeah. <laughs> what, what picture are you painting? I'm painting, it's, it's sleek, it's gleaming like stainless steel. And, uh... <laughs> and the guest isn't even on yet. Why isn't he? You haven't introduced him. Well, we started to. I started to talk about how he knows all about having sex yes. with dead people and how it interrupts me. Right. Well, that's that's what he does. Yeah. And he takes you down the same path every week about your intro. Yeah, and then what? You, know, you do the <laughs> intro, and then Howard asks you about the same thing. It's like crunches, radio crunches. No, it's God, called so predictability. Baby. <laughs> Babies, <laughs> must I teach you? <laughs> no, you're, yes. you're doing the correct thing. You're doing your intro. Right. Howard going back and asking you the same effing thing. Every week about some of the things in your intro crutches. It's like not even Bakersfield. Bakersfield laughs at Howard. All right, carry on. Okay, I'm glad you know you got people laughing at you, Howard. (laughs) (laughs) I like Bakersfield. (laughs) And they like you, too. They sit around and laugh. Speaking of laughing, what could be more amusing than sex with dead people? Probably several things on your agenda. But uh, Lee, Lee Miller, the man who's editor of Serial Killer Quarterly, everyone's favorite uh, serial killer magazine. Cold Ethel, cold, cold Ethel. Making love by the refrigerator light. Lee, is that your favorite song? Uh, well, to answer your question before, I'm um, having sex with two and a half dead people. <laughs> more exciting. Yeah. <laughs> two and a half. Okay. Aren't you related to this guy? No. Oh. Uh, Herb Mullen. I was reading about Mullen, and I thought I was reading about you. <laughs> and I'm going, well, I'm committed to a mental institution, put cigarettes out in his skin, uh, tried to enter the priesthood, got evicted from his apartment for shouting at people who weren't there. And I'm going, God, this is our guest. <laughs> and then I realized that wasn't you. Yeah, no, none of those things are me. <laughs> no. It's not Catherine Ramsland either. That's I don't. Her. I don't know about her background. Well, no, no she she's just has a thing for horses. Yeah, she's always giving me a look. You can't see that look on the radio, Howard. Uh, let's talk about Herb Mullen, being as I find him fascinating. Uh, what I especially find fascinating about him is he's obviously batshit crazy, which is a, a very technical term. But he's in prison for life. Yep. That makes no sense to me. I can understand if they if they can't cure him of. Uh 
of his of his mental illness why he'd be incarcerated somewhere for life but it seems to me that he he would probably be better suited to being in a you know psychiatric hospital well yeah it would seem so being as that he was diagnosed or at least if he was paranoid schizophrenic it had been i mean it manifested at the time I mean, both people who have schizophrenia, it's going to show up around the age of 23 or 25, which is exactly when it showed up with him. And uh, never given any medication, got continually worse and worse and worse until he had his amazing epiphany regarding earthquakes. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, Herb uh, did some kind of magical thinking thing where uh, he saw that the rate of earthquakes had, uh, I think, gone down because of the Vietnam War. Yeah, that this was in California, the rate of earthquakes in California, and then uh, he saw that as the Vietnam War was uh, winding down, uh, there was uh, more seismic activity. So he came to the very scientific conclusion that it was because there wasn't enough people being sacrificed, and decided to go out and uh, eventually killed 13 people to um, appease uh, Mother Earth or God or something like that in order to uh, make the earthquakes uh, not destroy California. Well, it uh, worked. It did, yeah. I mean, who knows what he he prevented. Well, that's kind of his logic of his argument is, is that, you know, he did it all in one day. He just went out and, like, you know, killed 13 people to stop an earthquake. And they said, you killed 13 people. He goes, yes, but look, I stopped the earthquake. <laughs> right, and that sounds completely crazy, as you said, except you'll... As you were mentioning before about fact-checking, you'll see similar arguments sometimes used in politics to justify equally terrible things, right? That's the crazy part. The really crazy, crazy part is, uh, you know, if it's an individual having those delusional beliefs, you know, um, we, we call them the schizophrenic. If, if it's a, a whole nations of people, that's just... That's just a <laughs> policy. Policy, exactly. Yeah, yeah I've often uh, wondered when mental illness becomes... Uh, symptomatic of an entire country's policy such as say or just take you know the most well-known example is you know, like the holocaust if that's a national policy and everyone thinks it's perfectly rational you know, it yeah. becomes uh normal well that's it and, and the thing with uh, if you look at the definition of a lot of mental illness in the dsm it's actually based on consensus it's not to do with what reality is to do with what most people agree is reality. So if you're in a society like, you know, the, the, the Nazi society, and most people agree that uh, German people came from a, a, a long-lost civilization called Thule, and that they're destined to take over the world, like, even though it's not based in fact, enough people believe it, so it might as well be true. That makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah, that's because you got out. Yes, <laughs> that's right. They didn't catch me yet. Yeah. So one of my big yets. <laughs> did did I get this rightly, as Howard? Did 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 do you believe that if somebody uh, is incarcerated for life and is cured of their mental illness while in, they serve the rest of their term, which is life, or or do you let them out if they're cured? He's asking you, Lee. Oh, um, that's that's very difficult to say. Um. I mean, if, if Herb Mullen was, uh, you know, kept on strict probation and they were making sh absolutely sure that he was taking his medication, I really don't think, you know, and they had, and it was effective, I really don't think he would kill anyone. And, you know, also is it moral to kill someone who's completely 
delusional or to um, to keep someone who's completely delusional behind bars when they've been cured because it's not really them them that's doing the murders it's a, a skewed version of themselves so morally it seems to me like they should be allowed out and if they're very sure that they can control these uh, delusions and hallucinations then it seems that uh, they should be allowed you know that way too but it's it's like how reliable is that uh, I, well that's, that's right my question is how reliable is it and, and, and uh, the human being is because they've uh, they've been cured now they didn't do it because the other the other embodiment did it so they shouldn't be punished in any way shape or form well it's like if vomiting was considered uh, you know a death penalty offense just because you vomited before doesn't mean you know I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, in France, 20,000 people received the death penalty for being werewolves. And it wasn't that long ago. When when was this? Just last week. (laughs) No, no, seriously. No, it was a couple hundred years ago. Okay. Now, uh, in modern society, we tend not to think of werewolves and suspicion of being werewolves as being, you know, a real deal. But there was the national consensus that werewolves were a real threat and that these 20,000 people were werewolves. And despite their protestations to the contrary, they were put to death. Now, there's certainly... I've heard of that. And actually, there was uh, in 16th century Germany, um, around the Cologne uh, area, there was a guy called uh, Peter Stump, and uh, he was called the werewolf of, of, of Bedburg, and uh, he was believed to be a serial killer. And of course, they uh, got a confession out of him in which he said it was because the devil had given him a magic, was it a magic belt or something like that, which made him able to transform into a werewolf, and that he killed people for more than twenty years as this werewolf. And they were actually finding these mutilated bodies and stuff around the around the area. Uh, the people were going missing, so they. They tortured him to death. They put him on the wheel, um, breaking his limbs and burning him. And they even uh, even killed some people who were in uh, relationships with him. And actually, uh, Karen uh, Siosia just uh, wrote a piece for the new Serial Killer Quarterly. Um, it's coming out our Christmas issue. Oh, <laughs> perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad to see exactly. you, celebrate the, you celebrate the holidays with such, such a plume. <laughs> we had her yeah, live on our like show, you know. We we had Karen here with her her lovely cheerleader daughter. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> you never let it go. <laughs> no, and, and and why, Lee? <laughs> Would you let her go? <laughs> no. <laughs> Both of them are hot. <laughs> oh, here we go. I won't say anything. Well, you're not going to argue with. It comes me. Bakersfield again. <laughs> so, anyways, but, um, back to the point about the whole werewolf thing. I mean, uh, if, if this is an accepted cultural framework for interpreting maybe um, things that are happening with uh, mental illness, like I think it is perhaps possible that if people around you tell you that werewolves exist and you're overcome with this kind of desire to kill people and, and you're maybe a little mentally ill that you could say well yeah I'm, I'm a werewolf because it's out there in in society for you to go out and grasp at that explanation and bring it back and to actually believe it well, kind of like what we're have they ever have they ever uh, in, in, in the 20,000 people in France that were put to death and, and all the 
hoopla surrounding werewolves back then. Did they ever catch somebody in their werewolf state? <laughs> Idaho? Uh, no. I Idaho is hysterical. But it was a serious thing. No. No, I, obviously not. <laughs> yeah, so because it doesn't exist, right? Well, it was just about, I think, 15 years ago that you had uh, three people put to death for penis theft. Well, that happened in my marriage. <laughs> yeah, where was this? Uh, I think this was in Indonesia. Okay. Uh, where the, the concept was that foreigners, of course, anytime you have foreigners, you know they're nothing but trouble. And in Indonesia, uh, uh, people, they feared that if you were touched by a foreigner and you were male, your penis would, would shrink to virtual non-existence. Yes. And so to keep this from happening, we had to kill those foreigners who were not only taking our jobs, but taking our penises. That's, well, a, that's I, great be, news. It'd be hard not to get behind that, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, I'm not letting it get behind me, so unless it's one of the victims. <laughs> uh, is it, in, in Indonesia, too, I think the word uh, amok came from, like, running amok. Uh-huh. And that's actually like a cultural mental illness that they have there, where people just go on uh, these rampages, but they believe it's uh, it, it's actually like a cultural thing, Um Kind of like, have you heard about the Wendigo syndrome? Is that like uh, a Winnebago? <laughs> no, no. It's uh, it's like in uh, some Native American cultures, uh, they believe that if you eat someone, you start to turn into this demon called uh, the Wendigo. And so that's, um, and, and people actually who had uh, cannibalized people, there is record that they did seriously believe that they were turning into this Wendigo demon. So I guess what I'm getting at is is that um, since we're talking about psychosis and, and turning into werewolves and such, that really it's in a lot of ways your culture can dictate what... Uh, yeah, in some cultures, thing. instead of having werewolves, they have weir bears, which I am, or weir foxes. It depends on the culture. <laughs> yeah. yeah I think werewolves are the most common. But I, me- I remember reading about, too, how in... Um, Italy around the time of Romeo and Juliet, if you were, uh, say, committed murder, they would give you the legal status of a wolf, which allowed people to go out and to uh, and to kill you and then to bring your, your head back as proof, and then you would get the same uh, that the person that killed you would get the exact same amount of money they would get for killing a wolf. So in a way, there's these other things where people are going out into the wilderness having been given the legal status of a wolf. It's all feeding into the same, same thing. Uh... It's really strange. Well, that's where we get the whole demonization concept again. Uh, once you demonize them, it's real easy not to regard them as human. Yeah, that's a part of it. Yeah, definitely. Just like uh, we've had Scott Bond on the show several times, and he talks about that. This is one of the, in fact, I mentioned one of the articles I wrote for you. The uh, first one out, the, uh, the Yorkshire Ripper, where the title of the rather excellent book was called Born Evil. And I yeah. uh, mentioned his. Oh, no, that was the Haddon Clark one. Oh, Haddon Clark, was he Born Evil too? <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Um, Born, Born Evil was Haddon Clark, but yeah, uh-huh. we can talk about him. He's psychotic, sure. Yeah, uh, that uh, when you say they're evil, then you no longer have to regard them as human beings who have some reason why they behave that way or some, uh, you know, some cause of that behavior. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't, like, I can understand maybe it was just a snappy title for a book or... You know, sometimes it just the word will work in a sentence or something like that. But like to actually take notions of good and evil seriously, it, it you know, it's just, 
you're bereft of philosophy if you do that. Ooh, I think I hear evil sneaking up on us right now because I watched the Evil Dead marathon last night and it's time for me to oil my chainsaw. We're going to take a 60-second break and we'll be right back with Lee Meller from Serial Killer Quarterly on True Crime Uncensored. This is Zach Gustine, and if you own a cell phone, and we know you do, or ride a plastic pony in front of Albertsons, you are no longer tied to your computer. You are now safe to roam while Barstow's burning and take Outlaw Radio with you everywhere you go. Grab an Outlaw Radio app from RadioLoyalty.com. The smoking, drinking, interrupting 24-hour party that you follow now follows you. Your cell phone or Apple device is now the easiest way to stay connected with your friends on Outlaw Radio. You know the demons of decadence. Change the way you listen to radio seven days a week. Now available free at RadioLoyalty.com. Just punch in Outlaw Radio. See that, Mike? You stay on script. It's the Onion Radio News. A really fun toy has been banned after killing three stupid kids. This is Doyle Redland reporting. The Wizco Toy Company of Montclair, New Jersey, has voluntarily recalled 245,000 Aqua Assault Robo Fighters after three dumb kids managed to kill themselves playing with the popular toy, ruining the fun for everyone else. Wizco President Alvin Cassidy. These three retards came along and somehow found a way to get themselves killed. So now we have to do a full recall and halt production on what was a really awesome toy. What a waste. Each of the deaths was determined to be the result of gross misuse of the toy, an incredibly cool device that could shoot both plastic missiles and long jets of water simultaneously. Doyle Redland for The Onion Radio News. Pick up The Onion at your newsstand or visit theonion.com. Hi, I'm Burl Bear. In other news, a bill has been proposed to require background checks on gun lobbyists before they're allowed to buy congressmen. <laughs> also, red meat has been found to be dangerous to cows. <laughs> That's two in a row. <laughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I suggest you do buy the uh, latest issue of Serial Killer Quarterly. In fact, you may want to get a subscription to this amazing magazine that, honest to God, looks like a real magazine. You probably think it looks like some mimeograph piece of crap from Junior High. But no, it looks like a real, honest to God, time-life sort of production. And uh, it's got great, brilliant, talented people writing for it, such as Dr. Catherine Ramsland, one of my favorite forensic fun puppets, and uh, well, what's her name with the, her hot daughter, the cheerleader, and uh, me, of course, or I, one of the two of us will be there, and <laughs> all sorts of other cool people, and uh, Lee is the guy who puts it all together, and uh, he kind of fact-checks the stories to make sure we aren't confusing a werewolf with a vampire or a vampire with a drone or something like that. So anyway, uh, subscribe to it, buy it, read it, believe it. Back to true crime, uncensored. Uh, too, if people prefer to go that way. Yeah, I agree um, with you. Well, who are you talking to? talking to? Who are you talking to? <laughs> Is he doing another interview? Are you doing another interview while you're doing this one?
No. Oh. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think that he thought we went for a, uh, to a break. And con- <laughs> you, have, you haven't been and talking nonstop for two minutes, have you? He answering the question. <laughs> Nice. Nice. Have you, you been answering the question for two minutes, Lee? Hello? No. Oh, okay. You're talking to your wife or your girlfriend or something? That boy ain't right. No, I was, talking, I, I was saying that you can get it on Amazon, too. Oh, that's right. You can get it on Amazon, too. Yeah. Yeah. You won't find it at the newsstand. Are we talking about Super no, World no. Yeah. Quarterly? Yeah. It's a wonderful publication. You, you have not stopped talking about it since you found it. Mm-hmm. With Burl Bear... And Howard Lapidus. Now, uh... And Howard Lapidus. Let's move on now and talk about some of the other exciting people that uh, not only write for your brilliant publication, but some of the people they write about. Featuring Mark C.G. Boyer. Mark is not in Serial Killer Quarterly yet. (laughs) But he's about to be because his headphones doesn't work and he's going to turn into a werewolf and kill us all. Why don't you write jokes for this magazine? (laughs) I do. Okay. I wrote the one that, that our guest last week liked so well. His phones aren't working. Barely. Oh, no, his aren't. No, of course barely. not. Barely. Barely. Barely me. means that if no one says anything. No one says anything, he can hear us. The <laughs> mic isn't on either. Well, that's a blessing. Okay, where were we? Oh, yeah, because uh, I was writing about Hayden Clark, remember? And I said his dad invented uh, cling wrap and flame retardant carpet but beat his kid for being a clinging flaming retard. Werewolf. Yeah. Yeah, that, now, is that actually true, those things? Yes. <laughs> and you crafted them into humor. Yes, but I didn't give the credit for the joke to me because I figured that was too rude. So I, I gave the credit for it to uh, Jeff Reynolds, with my alter ego. I often quote Jeff in my yeah. books. Again with the Jeff Reynolds. Yeah. When I, want, when I want to say something snarky in my books for Kensington, and they would never let me be snarky, I would just give it to this imaginary <laughs> character. <laughs> if that was smart of me. So you gave up the ghost, so to speak. Yeah. And nobody cares. No one cares. No. no. But Lee, didn't you know that it's really true? His father did invent cling wrap and flame retardant carpet. That's why he was so rich. And he did beat him for being clingy and called him a retard. Yeah. Oh, there we go. A flame that is a <laughs> masterful way of linking those two things, Burl. Yeah, well, I thought so. <laughs> you ought to go to Saran Wrap and ask them for a sponsorship. That would be good. <laughs> yeah, maybe we get cling wrapped yeah. advertisers or killer quarterly. <laughs> well, I saw yeah, a woman it, wrapped in cling wrap once. Did you? Yeah. And it was where? I can't say. I had to sign a release saying I wouldn't, uh, as a journalist, I wouldn't say where I saw it. Okay. Give us the, an approximation. Of, you know. <laughs> North Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> and was she was she cute? Yeah, she was. Really cute little Hindustani girl. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the cling wrap did good for her. Mm-hmm. She enjoyed it. So, Lee, what else is new? Uh, well, I was actually going to ask you uh, about Haddon Clark because he is in issues um, seven psychotic killers and you wrote the article but I was just thinking about it and even though he was a paranoid schizophrenic unlike Herb Mullen he doesn't seem to have been motivated to commit his crimes because of his delusions am I am I correct in remembering that there was no yeah my my theory on it was is that he really wanted to be loved and protected by his parents his parents were both first class a-holes from hell Uh, they drank and 
play dress up. Well, first they'd play dress up. They dress up dad and mom's clothes, and mom would dress up the little boy and girl's clothes. Mom and dad would both get drunk and start beating the crap out of each other in front of the kids. And then he'd be real rude to little Hayden, and he always wanted to, uh, you know, have his parents' love and respect. Well, he would go along with whatever his parents did. If they wanted to beat the crap out of him, fine. However, if anyone else did anything to slight him as a kid, he would murder their favorite pet or kill them. In other words, to show, you don't mess with me. As if, like, hey, folks, look, don't mess with me. See what happens when you do. But it's like, you know, any, anyone else who messed with him got it. But his parents could do anything to him. What I thought the most significant thing in the whole story of his life is that a lie he tells after he's caught where he says, my dad helped me cover up this murder, which his dad, of course, didn't do. But in his fantasy of what he would really like most of all is for his dad to protect him instead of beat him. And so he makes up this lie that his father protected him by covering up the murder, which the father didn't do. Right. So, uh, I mean, if, if we think about that and we, okay, so yes, him and Herb Mullen both have paranoid schizophrenia, but in the case of Haddon Clark, it's a lot more, um, the violence and is a lot more calculated, right? It's not about a delusion. It's about just no, being, it's intangible. You know, back off. Like, yeah. How dare, how dare you slight me? So can, you know, uh, can we make a blanket s- statement like that? Just because people have paranoid schizophrenia, that that's what necessarily is motivated them, motivating them. I don't think that we can. Well, he had and more so than think- he had more than schizophrenia. He also he was born brain damaged when they pulled him out of the mother's room with forceps. They grabbed him by the head and <laughs> pulled a little too hard, and so he came out with brain damage. And then he suffered at least two more extreme head injuries while he was in the navy. Uh, really bad ones. Uh, his brother uh, said that the second head injury was the one that really put him over the edge, that he was never the same after that. He was scary after that. Right. Uh, so, I mean, do you think that that person that's sustained, you know, injuries to their brain, like, are they responsible for no, their they're, actions? They're, 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 no, you can't be. I mean, you're talking about really severe brain damage. And it was known that he was... It was so well known by law enforcement that he was severely brain damaged that when the cops would, uh, they wouldn't bother to arrest him for his ongoing habit of stealing panties from the local Macy's or whatever, that uh, they just let him go because it wasn't like, you know, he was had criminal intent. He was just so damaged in shipping and handling, his contents had settled, he just couldn't help himself. They didn't know that he had also murdered several people in the past. And then, of course, they caught him for the final murder, which was really complex. If you read the article, of course, you, you've had to because you're the editor. Yep. Uh, he wanted a mommy, and he found this woman that could be a mother figure to him, but she already had a daughter. So he dresses up like the mother first he dresses up like the daughter goes to her bedroom and says what are you doing in my bed murders her 
And then, it's like he wants to be the mother also. It's like he's Norman Bates looking in a mirror. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, you know, and one of them wouldn't hurt a fly. I mean, this is how screwed up the guy was. He was, he wanted to be the mother and the daughter, and she's your mother. She's the daughter. You know, it's like Chinatown on steroids. Forget yeah, if I, if I remember uh, correctly, the, the victim actually woke up in bed, and there's a guy dressed in her clothing, I, I think maybe a wig, yeah. standing over the bed aiming a rifle at her. Yeah. And he says, say I'm Laura, which is her name. Yeah. So can you imagine that? You wake up, and someone's standing over you dressed like you in a rifle, and they tell you to tell them that they are you. Yeah. It's it's. Yeah, that is just yeah, he one wanted of the weirdest to be things I've ever read. Because he wanted to be the daughter of the loving mother. He also wanted he to be the loving mother. To say it, you know. Yeah. He needed he needed the daughter to say it to like to validate admit it to him. Yeah, really. What's going on there? And when he went right. out to uh, show the law enforcement where uh, bodies were buried, he was wearing a wig then too. He was right. Very, very cooperative. But in that case, is the. Um, is that just a transvestic fetish or cross-dressing that he's doing, or is he taking on Oh, he was being very loyal to his mother. His mother used to dress him up like a girl all the time, and that was to please his mother. He always was still, he was still try, even though the mother said, I'm not your mother anymore, which is why he had to go find another one, uh, he was still trying to please her. He was always obsessed. His obsession was a mother who loved him and a father who protected him. Neither one he ever had. Those were his obsessions. And that's what makes it so tragic. If he had... I mean, these people were incredibly wealthy. They could have got him the best medical care on earth. But they didn't. All they gave him was more beatings, more ridicule. Yeah, and I remember in the article that the idea, just because you're born with a silver spoon and you know you come from a money family doesn't mean it's a, a good money family and that's like a common mistake that we, that we make oh it's yeah like they said he came from privilege up. what kind of privilege is it is the crap beaten out of you by perverse uh, alcoholics uh, with bizarre sexual fetishes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what an honor <laughs> uh, where do we sign up yeah well, Mark wants in on this one hey uh, I know you're you uh have you finished your doctoral thesis on screwing dead people? No, uh, I'm, I'm finishing a textbook on that. My, my thesis is on something different. My thesis is on uh, killers who communicate, you know, send out the letters or elaborately pose bodies at crime scenes. But uh, I'm still working on that. That'll be done next year. But the, the necrophilia textbook, that's uh, that's in press right now. That'll be coming out uh, from CRC Press, and it should be available by, uh, by January. Lee, it's hard. Can, can you kind of walk me through... The necrophilia textbook. It's. Uh, I've never thought that I would hear those two words in the same sentence. Uh, it's going to happen sooner or later, but yeah, sure. Um, I, I mean, what would you like to know about it? Everything. <laughs> okay. That covers 435 pages no, in an I index. Know, I know, yeah, it's about that long. If you were, if um, you were to say in a paragraph say what this is. Okay. Uh, we have academics from all around the globe, from different disciplines, uh, looking at necrophilia. Uh, different aspects of necrophilia. So we have several essays on uh, the legal aspects of it. We look at uh, how the laws from state to state in the in the United States differ, uh, how they do globally. Um, we look at uh, terminology of like of necrophilia. Like that's an essay that I wrote there. So you often hear this term for someone who gets off on on cutting up corpses. We say they're a necrophilia.
micro sadist, right? But modern research shows that uh, sexual sadism is actually about getting a response from your victim, and you can't get a response from a, for a corpse. So I have a whole essay just arguing that the term necro sadism is kind of an oxymoron, and that it should actually be necromutilophilia. So there's there's that um, we have looking at the ideology of, of necrophilia. You know, how does someone become a necrophile? And, yeah, that's um, a good question. They I mean, after all, if they're dead, they can't reject you. Right. Well, that's a big part of it. Yeah, and I call that the. Um, uh, passivity inertia allure of necrophilia, which is, I mean, you won't find that in all necrophiles, but it's the most common thing. It's this idea that if, if you have kind of a human blow-up doll, you can do any sexual act uh, you want to it in any way you want without criticism, and that person can't leave. Uh, you just have to sort of look past the fact that they're, that they're dead. Or, you know, you could eroticize that too. You could actually be more into... Uh, the, the clamminess of a corpse or the way it smells or, yeah. uh, the, the pallor of it and I call that the corporeal sensory allure of necrophilia so I've got, I've got five of these and it's just all different things I noticed from, from reading uh, the testimonies of necrophiles where they talk about which aspects uh, attract them hmm, the whole thing stinks to me <laughs> we're going to take a 60 second break We'll be right back with clothespins right after this on True Crime Uncensored. Only in the forest can you see this. And this. And this. But nothing beats the moment you see that. Cool! That's your child's eyes opening up to a world of possibilities. I didn't know it could do that! Because one trip to the forest can spark a world of difference. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go, like hiking, canoeing, fishing, or camping. Or... Create your own adventure with family and friends, and you might just see this. Your moment's out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Who said that? Me, down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, hey, the little fort that you made slugs. out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. This forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Plant puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. <laughs> it's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. What's that in your hand? Then he slunk to the icebox. He took the Who's Feast. 
He took the hoop pudding. He took the roast beast. The knights who say... Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. I am the legendary Burl Bear. Man over there, Howard Lapidus, manager of the star, Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker, producer Matt Allen, our guest Lee Meller of Serial Killer Quarterly, expert on people who have sex with dead bodies. He knows all about all the serial killers, including one of my personal favorites, Richard Trenton Chase, known as the Vampire of Sacramento when he ran for governor. Or Dick Chase. <laughs> Dick Chase, yeah. yeah. This famous uh, Top 40 DJ. That's right. In Bellingham, Washington. <laughs> yes, that's where you're popular there, too. Uh, Lee Miller. <laughs> oh, Lee. Lee. Hey. hey. <laughs> Let's talk about that's, that's uh, <laughs> Richard Chase. Richard Chase, the vampire of Sacramento, who uh, had a thing about Nazis. <laughs> and UFOs. Yeah, a lot of things wrong with yeah what, so what is this deal with Nazi UFOs? Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know that there is any kind of consistency in the narrative, but he believed that... Um, okay, let me see. Um, because he had a Star of David tattoo on his head, which he had actually didn't, but... He, didn't. <laughs> he thought he did? That he yeah. invented mirrors yet? <laughs> uh, well, he was a vampire. He probably couldn't see himself, right? Yeah, that, God, that makes perfect sense. Happy Halloween, everyone. Yeah. Right? So I'll, let me get back into this delusion. Um, because he had a Star of David tattoo on his head, which didn't actually exist, Nazis were using UFOs to turn his blood into powder. Can I find out how many Jew boys are in the audience? He went in the shower, and he looked underneath his soap, his bar of soap, there was gunk there. And so that meant that he had soap dish poisoning, which was being given to him by Nazis through UFOs. It makes perfect sense. sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. make, it does make perfect sense. Thank you. Yeah. My I'm surprised favorite, didn't worry that he was the soap. My favorite, uh, Burrow, yeah. is that he liked to put uh, oranges on his head because the vitamin C would soak through his cranium into his brain. You've never done that? Uh, no, not not in the last couple of weeks. No. And then he uh, he was convinced that his, his the bones in his head were moving around. So he shaved his head off so he could watch. Shaved his head off? He shaved the hair off the his hair head. off his head. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that clarification. Thank you. <laughs> uh... And by the way, thanks for uh, participating. Can I find out how many Jew boys are in the audience? I'm raising my hand. Uh, we're here, all three of us. Yes. Three Jews now waiting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, this guy obviously had deep rooted emotional problems. I hate yeah, right, and, and he's sentenced to death. Like, I just don't understand that. <laughs> I mean, like. <laughs> And what's it like? Uh, he was very popular as a kid, either. I mean, even uh, even in childhood, they wanted to see him in the can. Uh, Bob Dylan line. Uh, yeah, they put him in a gas chamber, which figures. Uh, well, he, he killed himself before he, he ever got there, but that was their intent. Yeah. yeah. They reject the argument that he was not guilty by reason of insanity. Oh, yeah, this guy's perfect. 
Well, I, I mean, to play devil's advocate, what they're talking about is legal insanity, right? Which is like if if you show that you've covered up your crime because you know that it's illegal, then you meet you're legally right. sane. That, that, now, I don't agree with that. Yeah, well, like, see, I, like, here I, I don't know what the law is in Canada and Montreal, but uh, in the United States of America, it varies state to state on okay. which the formula state. they use. There, the, by the way, Lee, there is no law in Montreal, correct? About anything. Yeah, yeah, no laws. <laughs> <laughs> They're not suffering. I, I was only law. in jail there once. Really? Yes. You were in jail in Montreal. Yes, I was. For what? <laughs> For being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, that's what. Oh, that's that what. Uh, story? With the wrong people. <laughs> and I was in the East End uh, jail there. Which is a lot of fun, as you know, Friends, Lee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lee knows that for yeah, when he was no. shouting at the floor for people who weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was somebody else. Yeah. I was out quick, let's put it that way. Were you really? Yes. Huh. That's another story for another time and another place. Okay. Uh, it got, you know, I think it's interesting that uh, uh, not only did he believe that Nazi UFOs were after him, but he was hoarding macaroni and cheese in his pockets. Yeah. Well, to show them that he, they were poisoning him, to, to show other people that he was being poisoned in the psychiatric hospital. So, so he wanted them to test the macaroni and cheese. Craft? He was very crafty. No. But that's the thing, too. It's like, if you believe it, then it, he's acting reasonably if you believe yeah. it. Like, within his own belief system, that's not insane. Like, if you, look, this is what you would logically do, right? Test the macaroni and cheese, so that way you'll see that they're poisoning me. You know, well, sure. So, Dr. And, and uh, Dr. David Alpert, in his classic work, The Nature of Prejudice, and I've uh, told this story on the air before, but for our new listeners, we'll find it absolutely fascinating. Uh-huh. The classic story, and it's true, is the woman who had the paranoid delusion that she was dead. And she tells the doctor, you know, I'm dead. I've been dead for several years. And he says, asks her a question, he says, do dead people bleed? She says, no, of course not, dead people don't bleed. So he grabs her hand and he pokes her finger with a pin, and of course she bleeds. He says, now what do you say? And she goes, oh my God, I was wrong. Dead people do bleed. Wow. And so the moral that's, of the that's st- it, right? Yeah. I mean, if you can cure that with, with logic, like, well, how mentally ill is that person? If you can break the delusion with a demonstration, like... Because most of the time they'll find a, a way to justify that. Yeah, that, that like was the point, is that uh, if you have a paranoid delusion or, or a very strong prejudice, that the brain will do everything possible to, possible to protect the delusion or the prejudice. Right, and so if it, if it doesn't, I mean, are those different things? I'm just asking as an open question, you know, if, if the person can go, well, you know what, you're right, I wasn't that, okay back to life as normal, I'll get rid of my necrophile boyfriend, right? Um, uh, so is that person has uh, got the same kind of mental illness as someone who's completely resistant to it? Well, that reminds me of when the great P.F. Sloan was a guest on Matt's show, and he was talking about uh, Solieri and, uh, and Mozart, and how Solieri was in a mental institution for murder, and then after a few years he goes, you know... I was crazy then, but I'm fine now. And they go, oh, okay. <laughs> or I, I was fine then, but I'm crazy now. Whatever it was, they just said, oh, okay. Can let him out. Guys, if somebody was convicted for necrophilia, what is the sentence? Uh, it, it, it varies, uh, like, from depending on 
uh, which jurisdiction you're in, it's it's one of the like in some places there it isn't illegal, and that's not because I don't I think because people don't think it's immoral, but it's just they haven't got around to coding it in you know in law yet. Like for instance, in or the way that it's worded um, only applies to a certain amount of people. For instance, in the UK, they specify that it's about penetration of the corpse, so. It, seemingly, you could be touching a corpse and masturbating, mm. and you would not be receive a criminal charge because you're not penetrating. Uh, in some states, it's really just it, it's not even a sex crime. It's more just about you know uh, desecrating a dead body. So it it varies from place to place. Um, well, that's like in the state of Washington, it was not against the law to have sex with a duck until someone was caught doing it. <laughs> They're, they're creating a class of criminals, you see? Yeah. I, I want to think the necrophilia is just above that. <laughs> yeah, I would above it as in better or... Yeah, yeah it's not quite as bad as uh, screwing a duck. It's, it seems to me that well, finding a duck ducks... is a lot easier than finding a dead body to screw. <laughs> aren't all ducks rapists anyways? Yes, they are. I've... I have seen ducks gang rape a dead duck. Honest to God. Oh, well, you should get in contact with my, my uh, colleague. Uh, that's, that's just ducky. What his research is, is, is necrophilia in ducks. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's true. I have seen, I actually saw it happen in just outside Pioneer Park in Walla Walla, Washington. There was a duck that had been hit by a car and it was quite dead. This other gang of roving ducks, or waddling ducks, I guess, uh, came across the corpse of this uh, befouled creature. And uh, after kind of sniffing around, he's having sex with it. <laughs> and so here's the question that I, I always want to know. Is why like, was I are watching? We really that, <laughs> are, are we going to really believe why that not? the ducks don't know that the other duck is dead? Oh, they like knew it animals, was dead. But... They knew it was dead. Right, so they just did it anyway. Mm. Right? I, I think <laughs> the bigger question is why did you post it on YouTube? <laughs> no, I, did, I, did. I probably would have if I had had a camera. I was fascinated. I'd never seen a gang of ducks gang rape a dead duck before. And this was where? This was uh, Pioneer Park, Walla Walla, Washington. Okay. It was uh, it was on the uh, uh, first uh, Sunday after the Fourth of July. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad the ducks are following the calendar and celebrating. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and, and for Lee, it's the first of July. So let's keep things. Uh, yeah. let, All right. No duck talk about what happened here. Yes. I didn't see nothing. <laughs> so anyway, if your friend wants to talk to me about the gang rape of the dead duck, I'll uh, gladly tell him. Yeah, sure. I mean, he's a base. He's from Rotterdam. Uh, he he won uh, an award. Was it like the Ig Nobel Prize or something like that? For uh, he, he works at like a uh, what do you call it? like a, a natural history? Um, no, like a natural place where they. Where they observe ducks and other birds, and I think I think you get the Chernobyl prize for that. It's it's just yeah, an aviary. Yeah. Okay, so he's he's working there, and he's just standing there looking out the window on, you know, regular day, just kind of observing things, and uh, he sees a bird fly into one of the windows, and uh, he saw immediately, you know, he saw what you saw, but he documented it and uh, wrote an essay on it, and because. Uh, this was his field of research. He, he won all these prizes for it. So it could have been you, Burl. Yeah, could have been me who hit the window. 
you just have to have, to have more initiative the next time. You see <laughs> yeah, next time I see ducks. a duck being gay. No, that really kind of messed up my whole thought about ducks. But I, mean, I knew that geese were evil. <laughs> But I did. I always think of ducks as being so nice, but they're they're uh, born evil. You're so judgmental. I know. Yeah, that's those what, ducks are coming here standards. taking our jobs and screwing other dead ducks. And you're taking like human standards and you're trying to apply them to ducks. Yeah. You don't know what ducks' morals are. You don't know what their laws are. So yeah. Really, well, says so I read that book, How to Speak Dog. Which I found was very useful. Yeah. How useful was it? It was, because I went to these people's house. They had these two dogs. They were going... Yeah, what were they saying? They were were saying, who the hell are you and why are you here? And should we be afraid of you? And I had just read that how to tell them that I'm not a big threat, I'm a big pussy, and you're a big dog, is to turn sideways, blink three times, and yawn. And so I did that. They stopped barking and walked away. When I got up this morning, I did not think I'd be talking about... uh, Ducks getting raped? Yeah, yeah, that's that simple. You know, it's one of the little-known topics that people find fascinating. What's the jail sentence for ducks? Ducks screwing ducks. Yeah, they don't. No, they don't have a society, so there is no punishment. They enforce their own. Pearl, laws. Why don't you do an article for Lee on this this duck thing? <laughs> it wouldn't be a very long article. A Rotterdam man would find it quite interesting. Well, you know, you do a little research, you might find out that... uh, I can ask, ladies and gentlemen, if you have ever watched ducks uh, have sex with a dead duck, uh, please let us know. How about if you ever watched ducks having sex in the first place? I've watched pigeons have sex. You're watching a rape. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, pigeons are real fast. I mean, they make me look like a long-time lover. <laughs> hey, what's coming up in uh, future uh, issues? I know the, I know you got a lot of issues, Lee, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so, um, yeah, future issues of Serial Killer Quarterly, the two that are going to finish off the year. Um, the next one is called They Almost Got Away, and so we're looking at you know, serial killers that were killing for, like, more than 15 years without being caught. And so uh, Catherine Ramsland uh, did uh, a feature-length article on Rodney Alcala, the dating game killer. Uh, and then I'm going to do uh, one on David Parker Ray and Cindy Hendy. That was the guy that ran, ran the toy box, the toy box uh, torture chamber in New Mexico. Mm. Is that like yeah. the toolbox killer? Yeah, I think I think it's one and the same, just different names for them. But this guy was like probably, in my opinion, he's the worst thing I've ever heard of when it comes to uh, serial killers and just like the torturing people for weeks and weeks and weeks using elaborate instruments. But they like never saxophones. actually they never actually got him um, uh, for murder because uh, all the bodies uh, he was living out in New Mexico, and they figure that he just disposed of them mostly in caves and down old abandoned mine shafts kind of like breaking bad style right so mm-hmm. they they um they never actually got him for it but it's almost certain that he, he is this prolific and really complex in his activities uh torture murderer but uh because they never found any of the bodies you know he he doesn't have the name recognition that someone like a bundy or or some someone yeah like he just didn't get as famous that's uh, right. No. Who was that one that I'm writing about next? You asked somebody I'd never heard of. What's oh, that's like yeah, that's like next year. But I always book ahead because it's, kind of, it's kind of fun to make up the issues, and I like to give people time to work on them. So you're going to do uh, Robert Black. Oh, who's he? <laughs> oh, you'll know soon enough. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to find out yeah, by the time I write. You'll find out.
uh, before we go, Elite, a tremendous uh, effort, and uh, one would never know that uh, the magazine uh, Serial Killer Quarterly would be as classy and interesting as you have made it, sir. Yes, oh, excellent. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah, it's a fine line, you know, like because uh, you've got to you've got to make it entertaining, and as an editor, you want to of light, but there's that fine sensational, and and, and then uh, you know while maintaining some kind of respect for for the victim. Well, and, when it first came up, I thought it was a joke. I really did. And then and then we look into it and see what you've done and how you've done it. It's uh, it's quite interesting. Yeah, plus uh, you got you brilliant people writing for you. That's a big part of it, yeah. yeah so mean, what's Burrell doing there? Yeah, <laughs> you notice that he used a word to describe me that keeps coming up over and over and over again. Quirky. What the hell does quirky mean? Howard, you know... Well, you're quirky. Um, no, seriously, look at... It's look a at, nice way to say Uncle Crazy. Yeah, oh. there you go, fine. <laughs> I, I'll accept that, yeah. Okay. So you're, you're effing nuts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, at least Lee didn't say, and joining us in the issue is effing nuts, Pearl Bear. And by the way, he should, <laughs> because it's it's very descriptive, and yeah, I think it's accurate. It, it's, it's interesting, Pearl. correct, actually. You've picked a writing, uh, a, a, a niche of writing that... Hides your own insanity. Hey Lee, thanks a lot. Or puts it on display. One of the two. Lee, thank you so much. And Howard, thank you. You're welcome. We'll talk to you again soon. Hey Burl. Yes. What would be next? Next would be Magic Matt Allen and the Demons of Decadence on Halloween. It's kind of like the Evil Dead Marathon without the chainsaw. Stand out. 